I didn't have any other plan. I didn't know what, what to do. And something in my gut, my instincts, my intuition was just telling me, I don't know. So I prayed about it and I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, I need help. And it was really a challenge to my faith. Like I realized I have a choice. Am I going to believe that this is true and trust that God is going to work this out for my good or not? Faith is choosing to believe, right? I mean, real faith <clears throat> is choosing to believe when you're challenged. Lisa Roars, former executive coach turned podcaster and digital course creator. Just a few years ago, my typically unwavering optimism was put to the test when my autoimmune system went sideways and handcuffed my dreams to positively impact the world. Fast forward though, through years of failed experiments, dozens of doctors and countless hours of research, and I am now a healthy, thriving CEO of a business that is positively impacting the world by empowering people to exchange fear for fortitude and dis-ease for durability. I created the Sunshine Cafe podcast to give you strategies to be your best self-advocate so you can focus on the things which light you up. If you're looking for hope and encouragement to live a life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe. Today's guest is going to encourage you and give you a couple of things to think about. Chris Wark is a patient advocate, a coach, best-selling author, a husband, a father, and yes, a long-term cancer survivor. Chris was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer back in 2003 when he was just 26 years old. And after surgery, he made a very difficult decision to go against his doctor's advice, and he opted out of chemotherapy. Instead, he chose to use nutrition and natural therapies to heal. Six years after his diagnosis, still cancer-free, Chris began to share his story of faith, courage, and determination, as well as his message of hope, the message that chronic diseases like cancer can be prevented and even reversed if you're willing to make a radical change to your diet and lifestyle. Over these past two decades, Chris has become one of the most well-known cancer survivors on the planet and reaches millions of people every year as a blogger, a podcaster, a speaker, and a health coach. He does this through his books, through social media, and even his website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Speaking of books, Chris is the author of three books, the national bestseller, Chris Beat Cancer, his second book called Beat Cancer Daily, which is 365 Days of Inspiration, which you will love, and his third book, just finished with his wife, called Beat Cancer Kitchen, which is just a collection of deliciously simple plant-based recipes. If you or a loved friend or family member has cancer, or if you just want to prevent cancer and you don't really have any idea where to start, well, Chris also has a great coaching program via his website called Square One, which has already been shared with over a million people globally. So let's enjoy this great conversation with Chris. Thank you so much, Chris Wark. I am so excited to have our conversation here today. Lots of exciting things about your past and things that I know will encourage our listeners. Let's just pretend that some of our listeners don't already know who you are. And could you tell them a little bit more about how you got to where you're at right now? Sure. Thank you for having me on. Um, 
I imagine a lot of your listeners don't don't know my story. I hope they don't. (laughs) (laughs) More fun to tell it to people who haven't heard it. Um, But I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 26 years old. And this was December 2003. So if you do the math, I'm coming up on my 20-year cancerversary, Woo-hoo. which is a uh, spoiler. I didn't die. Yay. Still, here, still alive. <laughs> yes. Still living, uh, cancer-free. And, uh, and the way I got to where I am now was I took a different path. I took the road less traveled and uh, I went down a very, I would say, very scary, uncharted territory type of path. Mm-hmm. Uh, with very little help, very little support, you know, a handful of books and, right. and that was it, you know, but I knew it was the path I had to take. And, um, leading up to that, I, I was having abdominal pain, you know, for the better part of the year and eventually went to the doctor cause it, it just got worse. It didn't get better. Okay. And they did a colonoscopy, found a golf ball sized tumor, biopsied it. Told me a day or two later, you've got colon cancer and you need to have surgery right away before this thing spreads and kills you. So at that point, I was I was a typical cancer patient. I didn't know anything about cancer. I'd had never had any friends or family go through the disease really that I knew. And and I just assumed, you know, of course it's horrible news, right? It's a, it was a major shock. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that coming. Um and I just sort of assumed that, you know, the doctors knew best and okay, we just got to do what the doctor yeah. says. Yeah. Right. And so they wanted to have me in surgery right away. It was just a couple of days before Christmas. And I was like, oh man, like, can we at least postpone it till after the holiday? Right. And they let me do that. I had surgery on December 30th and they took out a third of my colon that's the large intestine for anyone doesn't, that doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I woke up, they said, it's worse than we thought. You're stage 3C, which means it had spread to my lymph nodes. They did take out everything they could see, but the next step was going to be chemotherapy. Wow. And at that point, I just, again, it was just more bad news. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed, you know, okay, like this is my life now. And I guess that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. The thing is that that I've learned uh, is that cancer patients are rushed into treatment out of fear. Yeah, they are. They don't understand the disease. They don't understand the treatments. And the, the whole process is just fear and urgency mm-hmm. and very little information or education. And um, when you're in a state of fear, you don't make good decisions. Your, your fear clouds your judgment. Stress Mm -hmm. clouds your judgment. When you're in that physical state, you cannot think clearly. You can't think rationally or logically. You're purely emotion-driven, right? And it's very easy to manipulate people if you can put them into a state of fear. Mm -hmm. As we've seen, (laughs) right? We saw this in the pandemic. And I even, I commented publicly in the early days of the pandemic about the fear mongering, because mm-hmm. I just saw it ramping up and I'm thinking, this is not good. Like, right. this is not good. This is not healthy. This, this is like, this level of fear mongering is really unprecedented, at least in my lifetime. And I'm like, this is not a good thing. And I also just remarked it. Well, now the world knows how cancer patients feel. Mm, interesting. 
because every single day cancer patients are struggling with fear, right? The fear is real. We cancer patients don't need to be reminded that they have cancer and they don't need to be reminded how scary it is and mm-hmm. the statistics and all that. Like you know. Yeah, in and, fact you uh, probably never stop thinking about it in some respects. Well, the best days of a cancer I mean the best moments of the day when you have cancer are those uh like windows of time where you're you forget. Right, right. You and know, you you're busy normal for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You're busy. You're working. You're with family and friends. You're watching a movie or whatever. Like, and you just forget you have cancer, you know, and then something reminds you and then you just get this wave of fear and anxiety. And so, so fear is not good mm-hmm. and you can't make good decisions when you're in a state of fear and patients are rushed into treatment uh, in this state. And that was definitely me. <clears throat> so. Uh, when I, I was told I could go home from the hospital, I sobered up, got off the pain medication. And as I started thinking about my life and my future, you know, I just had this increasing resistance to chemotherapy. Okay. You know, the idea of poisoning my way back to health did not make sense. And, uh, I did, but I didn't have any other you know, I didn't have any other plan. I didn't know what what to do. I just just was like, man, I don't know about this, right? Something in my gut, my instincts, my intuition, like was just telling me, like, I don't know. So I prayed about it, and I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, I need help, right? right? And it was a prayer of of desperation, but also of faith. Like, I was really believing that God was going to supply my needs. There's mm-hmm. a verse in Romans. Romans 8, 28, that says God works all things for the good of those who love him Amen. and who are called according to his purpose. And I believe that. Like I, And it was really a challenge to my faith. Like I realized I have a choice, right? Am I going to believe that this is true and trust <clears throat> that God is going to work this out for my good or not? Right. I think faith is choosing to believe, right? I mean, real faith. <clears throat> is choosing to believe when um, you're challenged. Yeah, and when you have no other reason to believe except by just trusting. Yeah, yeah. Faith is easy when when life's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, it's like when things get get difficult, then it's like, okay, do you really believe? Like, let's let's test your faith. Yeah. And so it definitely was a test of my faith. But I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just putting putting all my faith, hope, and trust in in God that he's going to lead me and and see me through this and work this for my good. And so anyway, yeah, so I just prayed and said I need you know, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. 2 days later a book showed up on my doorstep that was mailed to me from a friend of my dad's who lives in Alaska and I'm in Tennessee and this book, oh there it is. Yeah, you Here's got the it. book God's, right here. <laughs> God's way to ultimate health by George Malcolmus. Mhm. And uh so I started, I mean, you know, I'm like, what is this? But I started reading it and I learned quickly as I was reading that George had been, you know, he found out he had colon cancer uh, back in the mid 1970s mm-hmm. and had seen a lot of people around him go through cancer treatment, suffer and die. He had a friend who uh, pointed him toward the raw food diet and juicing. Mm-hmm. And so he he chose to do that. And uh, within about a year, his tumor was gone. He was well. 
his body had healed. And that was years ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that was like 50 years ago or, or yeah. something. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around 50 years ago. And he was still alive, you know? I mean, he, yeah. I, you know, uh, when I, as I was reading his book in, you know, 2000, early 2004, I mean, he was still, still alive. So it had been at least 30 years at that point or roughly. So I was so encouraged by his story. I mean, it was just like, that was an answer to prayer. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes one person's story to completely change the course of your life. Yeah, right? One person can have mm -hmm. a, a tremendous impact on you. Mm -hmm. And for me in that, at that time, it was George Malcolmus because George gave me hope that healing was possible. Right. And that is what I've come to understand is the most important thing <laughs> for every single cancer patient or sick person is you have to believe that healing is possible. If you believe healing is possible, that sets off a sort of like a chain reaction of events mm -hmm. in your life and action in your life. And um, because up until that point, I was a victim of cancer. And most cancer patients are, are ushered in to victimhood. Yep. They are led to believe that cancer was either bad luck or bad genes. Bad genes often. Right. That there's nothing they did that contributed to their disease. Mm -hmm. That and, it happened quickly. All of a sudden I got it. Right. All of a sudden it wasn't growing over 10 years or whatever. And, and they're told, no, you don't need to change your life. You don't need to do anything different. You just need to go home and eat your favorite foods. You don't need fact, to change let's give anything you some about your life. Yeah. We'll give you some ice cream right here at the hospital just to help you. Yeah. Yeah. They do yeah. that. Oh yeah, here's an ice cream sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's so they're told to eat high calorie foods. I mean, this is what's so insane is cancer patients go to see a nutritionist <laughs> in the oncology clinic and the nutritionist gives them a sheet of recommended foods and it's like milkshakes and ice cream and like all the just whatever junk food you want to eat, you know, it just doesn't even matter. Wow. So they don't believe it matters. Um, and this, this is absolute pandering. Uh, and in my opinion, it's malpractice because mm -hmm. there is so much published science, so much evidence on the anti-cancer nutritive properties in food, mm -hmm. specifically fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, and whole grains. Plant food is loaded with anti-cancer compounds. Right. And Animal food, meat and dairy, promote cancer growth. Junk food, fast food, and processed food promote cancer growth, and they promote disease, mm -hmm. chronic disease. And so um, even exercise, exercise reduces your risk of a recurrence. It increases your odds of survival. It reduces your risk of cancer. Like These are simple things that are known, well-researched, well-documented, published in scientific journals, and yet doctors are not teaching their patients how to take care of themselves. Doctor right. actually means teacher. Mm. Like the root word, the Latin origin of the word doctor is teacher. And doctors are not teaching their patients anything anymore. Right. And um, so it, when you think of doctor, honestly, a PhD is more of a teacher than an MD. Right. right? Yep. And so, <clears throat> so patients are are victimized, right? They go home believing that they're just a victim of disease. There's nothing they did that contributed to it. And therefore, there's nothing they can do to help themselves. Exactly. Right? Just show up for chemo. Yep. Right? Yep. Zero personal responsibility, zero, none. 
Right. And, uh, and it's tragic mm -hmm. because when you're a victim, you're powerless. And when you're powerless, what comes with powerlessness? Discouragement, mm -hmm. despair, depression. hopelessness, mm -hmm. depression, right? Uh, inaction, right? Paralysis, right? you know, not hope physical, but like emotional paralysis. Exactly. And all of your faith, hope, and trust is directed toward a doctor or a team of doctors, right? You, all of a sudden, you're putting all of your faith, hope, and trust in these that these people are going to save you. Exactly. And without doing anything to help yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, George's book, George was making the case that no, uh, cancer is a chronic disease like heart disease and diabetes and autoimmune disease that are caused by and large by our diet and lifestyle choices. And our choices yep. are contributing to our health. And our environment as well. And sometimes environment is not specifically related to your choices, right? Environmental pollution. Yeah. So, and what we know is now, you know, uh, depending on which research you look at, but the research that I think is probably the closest to being correct is that up to 90% of cancer is caused by diet, lifestyle, and environment. Yeah. Those three factors, less than 10%, even less than 5% are mm -hmm. considered genetically driven. And what we know about genetically driven cancers, by the way, is that your diet and lifestyle and environment affect how your genes express themselves. Exactly. It's like it's epigenetics. What genes right. on and which ones turn off? That's right. So it's even if you have a, a cancer gene, your diet your dietary and lifestyle choices affect whether or not that gene expresses, right? So you actually have control over your future and your destiny with your daily choices, mm -hmm. right? And so then it comes back to you like, okay, well, what are my daily choices? Like, how am I living my life? What am I putting in my body? What am I putting on my body? How am I thinking? Yeah. How am I acting? How am I reacting? And <clears throat> am I taking care of myself? Am I on a healthy path? These are mm -hmm. all really important questions and questions I had to ask myself. And I realized uh, quickly that there were, <clears throat> I kind of joke, everybody thinks they're healthy. Right. <laughs> this oh, is well, the thing. Yeah. Right. Everybody thinks they're healthy. Yeah. Until you really develop some kind of serious chronic disease. And then maybe you start to, you know, question your health <laughs> right. as I did. Yeah. And I, I, you know, Reading George's book, it was like he, he had adopted a raw food diet and juicing. I'm like, I'm doing it. That's what I'm going to do. Raw food, juicing, like if it worked for him, maybe it'll work for me. It makes a lot of sense. I want to flood my body with nutrition. I've yeah. never eaten. I've never eaten a diet that was all vegetables yeah. <laughs> and fruit. Very I've certainly never do. eaten a diet. Yeah, certainly not an all raw fruits and vegetables diet. And so I was actually fascinated by that prospect, like what, what's going to happen to my body if I do this? I want to find out. And I did believe this simple premise that God made the earth for us and that everything we need comes from the earth. And, um, you know, it's not a complicated idea. If you just focus on living, living your life in a way that is in harmony with nature, that you will experience benefits from living that way. And the benefits are vibrant health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
<clears throat> so overnight, that was it for me. Overnight, I converted to a raw food diet. I bought a juicer, loaded up the cart with vegetables and I was like, and fruit. And I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm going to figure this out. Like, yeah. And I didn't figure it all out in one day, right? But I started, <laughs> right? <laughs> I started and then quickly figured out, okay, how am I going to plan my meals? What am I going to eat? When am I going to make my juices? You know, and and just rearrange my day yeah. to to make room for my healthy activities. Sure. But meanwhile, you are, what, did you have your, your two beautiful girls at this point? No. Okay. So meanwhile, you had your wife and she was eating normally and you were mm -hmm. eating, you were changing your diet to raw. Right. Okay. How was that? How was that hard to have her eating kind of normally stuff that you typically would love to eat? M meanwhile, you're not eating those things? Yeah, it was really hard because, um, you know, anytime you make a big, a big life change, uh, especially a dietary change, like, you know, and you're excited about it. You want people around you to, to be on board. And so it's natural to, to start evangelizing, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> you, know, yes. to, you yeah. know, you read one book and you think you're an expert, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, at, at least I did. And so I'm, I'm constantly talking about what I'm learning and reading to my wife and trying to, to, to get her interested and on board. And, <laughs> and by the way, she was becoming increasingly more and more uncomfortable and frustrated okay. because she, you know, knew I was thinking about not doing chemotherapy and was going down this sort of weirdo health path. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of tension in the beginning Okay, in, in our relationship. And she even said at one point, I don't like the person you're becoming. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. That's hard. That was really hard to hear. Yeah, because you're excited about a path that is going to lead you toward healing. And of course, you want your bride to be on board with that. Right. And the people around you are telling you, no, that's the wrong path. That's a mistake. You're just being yeah. stubborn. Everyone's telling you that. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, exactly. So what was the turning point for when perhaps your wife got on board or you started seeing results or where was the turning point there in that raw eating plan? You know, it took a while, but there was a, there was a major incident, the first major incident that I think was helpful was when we saw we had our first oncology appointment and he treated us so badly that it kind of opened her eyes mm. to how callous so many physicians and oncologists can be and how it really is just like herding cattle. I mean, it's just a, a massive industry where they're trying to see as many patients per day right? Mm -hmm. Just run them through the system, get them signed up for chemo and on to the next one. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, he treated us badly. He told me if I didn't do chemo, I was insane, you know, and I had barely even expressed to him that I had some reservations about it. Wow. And I talk about this in great detail in my first book, by the way, it's called Chris beat cancer. And it's a great book. Thank you. Yeah. So, but you know, that, that was helpful. I think it didn't make her change what she was eating. Yeah. <laughs> But it yeah, but at least gave her this insight to uh, how badly patients are treated in the mm -hmm. cancer industry. And, uh, and I've heard this story more times than I can count. You know, I mean, it's rare to find an oncologist that is patient and caring and understanding and, and kind. And, yeah. and I cr actually created a free guide. It's called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. Yeah. There's a link to it on every page of my website, chrisbeatcancer.com. 
And I just want to encourage your listeners, if you have cancer, if you're a caregiver, or if you just want to understand how the cancer industry works, download this guide, go through it. It's a one hour audio program where I'm teaching and explaining these 20 questions that you need to ask your doctor, what the questions mean, the answers that you'll probably get, and the, and the actual answers that you won't get. And once you go through that, Mm-hmm. It will equip you with the right questions to ask your doctor so you can get all the information because you cannot make an informed decision based on the information that they give you because right. they give you very little. And like I said earlier, the conversation is mostly oriented around fear and you, you got to do this right away. We got to get you into chemo or surgery or radiation right away. There's mm-hmm. no time to waste. And, uh, oh, you know, you're going to feel sick, but we have some drugs to help with that. Yes, you may lose your hair eventually. You probably need to ask off work uh, and no, you don't need to change your diet. I mean, yeah. that that's the basic summary of a cancer patient's on, oncology consultation. Right. And, and pe- so- people who are not equipped with those kinds of questions and people who do not have the knowledge are not equipped to be their own health advocate. And that's what you are empowering people to do, which is one of the reasons I love it. It is just giving people the power to say, to push back even gently to say, hey, what about X, Y, or Z, right? Right. Absolutely. You cannot make an informed decision. You cannot make a wise decision if you don't have all the information. Right. You have to acquire knowledge. Mm -hmm. So knowledge comes before wisdom. You have to acquire knowledge until you have enough knowledge that you can make a wise decision. Right. And And the uh, doctors do not have all the knowledge. They have a great wealth of some knowledge, but they do not have all of it. Most of their training is about medications and diagnoses. So That's right. Yeah, that's right. Diagnosis, the drugs that you give to patients, they have to memorize all the all the conditions in the body and all the drugs for those conditions and then <laughs> surgical procedures or radiation or or whatever. So, no, the nutrition nutrition training is a joke in mm-hmm. med school. Yeah. And most doctors are just as unhealthy as everyone else. Yep. So you can't look to a doctor for health and wellness advice because they don't know what they're talking about. They're, I mean, most of them have not read any of this, the scientific or medical literature mm-hmm. on diet and lifestyle medicine, right. on the optimal anti-cancer diet, on foods that promote cancer growth, f- foods that can arrest and reverse cancer growth. And so that's the mistake that a lot of people make is they just assume a, do- a doctor knows about health yeah. <laughs> and they don't. They, they don't. know about disease and drugs. Well, and broken things, you know, you break your arm, go to the doctor, they're going to be able to fix that. Mm-hmm. But as far as healing things, they're not really in that business. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's good to think about it this way. The pharmaceutical industry, which essentially is controlling the entire medical industry, yep. they understand that the money is made in treating chronic disease, not in curing chronic disease. Yeah. So they just want to put you on a medication that helps alleviate your symptoms of disease so you can remain vertically ill. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That means... Vertical means you can get out of bed. So you can get out of bed, you can go to work, you can get through your day. You're not well, right? But you're not horizontal either. (laughs) And this is where this is where the pharmaceutical industry wants you to be. They want vertical illness, right? You can function and and while still requiring multiple medications. Yeah. Yeah, right, one because, medication and then all the medications that support the symptoms of that medication. And then, yeah, so you get this little chain of drugs going that you get to take every day. Yeah. And it's insane how many people are taking three or four, five, 10, 12 
drugs every single day. Right. Every single day. And so um, that is intentional. You know, people say the medical system's broken. I, uh, my answer is it's not broken. It, it's working very well. You just don't for understand them. how it works. <laughs> it's working right? for them, not working for the patient. Yes. They're generating billions of dollars in profit off of every new drug. And, uh, and that is what they want to do. And it doesn't matter if you get well or not. The, the longer you're sick, the more money they make. So it sounds like, like conspiracy theory, but it's not. It's just commerce, right? <laughs> this is just basic capitalism commerce. I love capitalism, but like you have to understand this industry does not exist for your benefit. Yeah. And it, it exists to exploit you and, and, and extract as much money as possible out of you. Mm-hmm for the benefit of the shareholders and stakeholders and executives and everyone involved in the medical pharmaceutical industry. So <clears throat> by the way, there's four chapters in my, in Chris beat cancer that are a deep dive in the medical pharmaceutical and cancer industries, how they're set up, how they make money, how they deceive patients. And I hope, you know, your audience will read my book because yeah. you will learn so much. It'll blow your mind. Like, yeah, and here's absolutely. one statistic that you probably have never heard them talk about on the news. And that is that the, on the, the news media and the cancer industry and the drug companies, they love to feed the news these little sound bites mm-hmm. to repeat to the public, which are that cancer patients are living longer than ever before, you know? <laughs> and thanks to new treatments and innovative treatments and new drug therapies, right? Oh my you gosh, know, how many times have we heard that? Yeah. Right, all the time. And, uh, and then they'll all, there's always a big press release. So, you know, GlaxoSmithKline has this new blockbuster cancer drug and they're do, well, let's do a little story about the trials and interview this, the doctors that are involved with the trials and interview these patients that have taken the drug for a week and are very hopeful about the drug saving their life, this kind of thing. <clears throat> so that's what's commonly happening. But what you need to know is that the true measure of success in the, the world of cancer is the death rate. So how many people, what percentage of the population is dying of cancer every year? And if you actually look at the death rate from cancer in the United States, what you will find is that since the advent of chemotherapy, you know, roughly the 1960s is when chemo really started taking off up until today. So 60 years, the death rate has come down about 5% across all cancers. 5% on average reduction in the death rate after 60 years and trillions of dollars spent on drug development, advertising, all this stuff. And trillions have been raised for breast cancer awareness and all these other races and bikes and things that people do with these money. Yeah. Right. And so there are some cancers that they've done very well in terms of curing or extending life, and that would be childhood leukemia, lymphomas typically, testicular cancer. Those are the big three, you know, sort of categories of cancers that if you get that kind of cancer and you do treatment, your survival 10 years or more is 90%. Like you'll probably be fine. You'll probably be okay because they've figured out drugs that work pretty well. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> if you're diagnosed with a solid tumor cancer, Brain, liver, colon, breast, ovarian, cervical, uh, lung, or something like multiple myeloma, 
those cancers, they've made very little progress in improving the death rate. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, zero. And those are the most common cancers. Mm. And so the the industry often uses statistics to mislead patients and the public about how well they're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you lump them all together, it's not fair to lump every type of cancer together and throw a statistic out there, which is what I did, but it's true. That's why I quantified it with some cancers that respond better than others. But the point is 5% over 60 years of, of the overall cancer death rate. I mean, that that's failure, yeah. right? We, yeah. we lost the war on cancer, except the pharmaceutical industry did not lose, <laughs> right? Who lost? The public yeah. lost. The, the drug industry, it was, it's been a it's been a massive victory, right? Yeah. Yep. And so you have to wonder what was the intention of the war, right? It was to make money. And so I didn't know any of this, right? I didn't know any of these things before I when I was diagnosed or in the early days of trying to get well, but I did trust that God was going to lead me down a path of healing. And I was willing to take massive action to change my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I did. And I found a naturopathic doctor. I found an integrative oncologist through that naturopath. He knew an integrative oncologist, right? Once you kind of get your foot in the door into the underground network of holistic and integrative practitioners, then it kind of, then it kind of opens up for you. Right. right? And so you start getting connections that can really help. Yeah, you just need one, you know, you just got to find one good advocate and then they can kind of introduce you and help you connect. So I, I, I cobbled together a little support system mm -hmm. and, and that was tremendously helpful. I mean, I was desperate for any, just anybody to tell me they believed in what I was doing. You know? <laughs> I want to cheer <laughs> like you. I that I wasn't crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and then I created this simple daily routine for myself. Then it just was focused on overdosing on nutrition through fresh juices, giant salads, like what's on the cover of my book, Beat Cancer Kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and then, you know, lots of herbs and supplements too. Mm -hmm. And who knows if they helped, right? Yeah. Yeah. My attitude was, I'm going to take everything I can find and afford, yep. right? If there's a chance, it will help me. Or if there's a possible potential benefit and there's no risk of harm, Right. I'll ingest it. I'll do it. <laughs> Whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my criteria, which is yeah. basically the Hippocratic criteria, right? For medicine is first do no harm. So anything that was potentially medicinal and uh, I was open to if there was no risk of harm. Yeah. And uh, having said that, it was still a very lonely, it was a very lonely road. It was, it was hard to do it alone, but I just knew like, I prayed, I asked for a path. This path was illuminated for mm -hmm. me. It was a jungle path. I knew I was going to have to hack my way through alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I just, at the same time, trusted that God would lead me through it. Perfect. And he did. You know, I got to the, after I got to the five-year mark, had another scan, no cancer. Uh, around six and a half years after my diagnosis, I decided gosh, maybe I should share my story. You know, I think mm -hmm. I could be helpful and encouraging to people that have cancer or yeah. want to prevent it because I've learned a lot. Yeah. Hey, and pause, uh, pause there just for a second. When you got to that five-year mark, was that the first time that you had had a doctor appointment that showed the cancer was gone? 
No. Okay. So you had had other appointments that yeah. were showing it was reduced. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had stayed cancer-free okay. yeah, that whole so time. When and was that first time where you were like, wow, this totally is working? How long did that take you before you were like, the changes I'm making are actually working? Well, my journey was a little bit different than some other people I've interviewed in that I've interviewed dozens and dozens of people who have healed all types and stages of cancer. Yep. Some of them with with no treatment, some of them after treatment failed and have had dramatic turnarounds in their health, right? By do, by going raw and and Yeah, just... raw foods and juicing, doing the same things I did. Okay. Uh like my friend Courtney Campbell healed Hodgkin's lymphoma mm. that way. And uh and no surgery, no medical interventions. So she, and she was the first person I interviewed back in 2010. Okay. But anyway, so, um, but my journey was I had the surgery and then it was, we had to do everything we can to prevent this recurrence, which is an almost certainty okay. for young adult colon cancer. Like it's very aggressive. So it was always about is, you know, is, has it come back yet? Right. So Is after the surgery, spot? they called you cancer free kind of after that. And then it was all about keeping it from coming back. Got yeah. it. But they always call people cancer free after surgery. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and so because you have circulating cancer stem cells and circulating right. tumor cells in your body and they're yeah. looking for new places to form tumors. And so yeah. it's really important that you change the internal environment in your body to make it inhospitable to cancer. And that involves strengthening your immune system flooding your body with vitamins, minerals, enzymes, antioxidants, like all these wonderful <clears throat> health-promoting compounds in food. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, for me, it was blood work every month to keep a close eye on things, CT scans every six months, and then eventually got to the five-year mark, you know? And then my, do my doctor felt confident and said, man, it looks like you're out of the woods. Okay. And so that was a good feeling. But I would say even once I got past two years, my confidence really started to grow. Got it. You know, two years of clean scans and, and good blood work. Um, but then, you know, the five-year mark came and and that's when I, again, decided, okay, maybe I should share my story because, you know, there was no social media when I was diagnosed. It had just started becoming a thing, mm -hmm. you know, for it had been a thing for a few years. Uh, and I started crispbeatcancer.com in 2010. Okay. And that's when I started writing articles about nutrition and making videos and trying to teach people and educate them on, you know, what is causing cancer? What are people doing to heal? Like, what do you need to do? Like, how do you need to eat? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, how do you change your mindset? How do you heal emotionally and spiritually and physically? Yeah. And just talking about all those things that I've learned. And, uh, and then I found other survivors who had reached out to me once they, once I got out there and then I started interviewing them and sharing their stories and interviewing other doctors and experts on holistic healing. And it just grew from there. So it's been 13 years of, of being a public survivor and patient advocate. And, uh, and I mean, I had no, yeah, no idea that God was going to use this in my life, you know, that it was going to sort of consume my entire life. And, uh, it was a part-time passion for for the first five years, and then it sort of just it grew and grew and took over. And I just realized like this really is what I'm I need to be doing with my life. Like this is yeah. this is my purpose, and uh, it's where my passion is. And <clears throat> I was getting so much more joy and fulfillment doing being a, a survivor and patient advocate than I was working in the real estate industry, right? And so mm -hmm. I was like, this is yeah, this is important. So 
Yeah. So then I started working on my first book and that was published in 2018, Crispy Cancer. We have a coaching program called Square One yes. and we have a, where, that we help people, you know, just walk through the steps of radical life change, mm -hmm. you know, to, how to teach people how to do everything you can do to support your body's ability to heal. Right. And whether you want to prevent cancer or you're trying to prevent a recurrence or trying to heal. And we just have an incredible thriving community of people who are, are just on the healthy path, you know, and they're awesome. just embracing it. Right. That's awesome. Well, and the, the approach that you take is good for everybody. You do not have to have cancer in order for the, the book and the crispy cancer kitchen and all that stuff to be really valuable to people. Because like, my story is about autoimmune disease and I did the same path, but with autoimmune. And so the same kind of training stuff and knowledge that you're giving people will help everybody live a better life and more abundantly. And you, you were talking earlier about how everybody feels healthy until you realize how good you could feel, right? Yeah. Like people, people are, a lot of people are slugging their way through life, not awake, not very focused in their mind, not thinking clearly, not feeling all that energetic. And so much of it could be improved by changing what they're eating and putting into their body. Yeah. A lot of people, they're not getting fresh air. They're not grounding. They're not getting sunshine. They're not getting sleep. enough sleep. Yeah, they're right. not drinking enough water. They're, mm -hmm. they're living on junk food, fast food and processed food and right. caffeine mm -hmm. and sugar mm -hmm. and too much meat and dairy and saturated fat. Yeah. And so, and, and medication and they're taking all kinds of drugs and medications to get through the day. And so there's definitely a different way you can live that is much simpler and uh, produces a lot more energy <laughs> for yeah, your body yeah. Yeah. and promotes health. And like, so you know, you're either sowing seeds of disease or you're sowing seeds of health. Like you're going to reap a harvest, yeah. right? In the future of, of health or disease based on your, just this cumulative amount of daily choices, right? The cumulative yeah. uh, outcome of your daily choices. And so that's what people, I think, I, I'm just trying so hard to get people to understand. It's like the little, just those little habits add up, right? Yeah. Every day, those little things that you can do that you can shift in your routine over time do add up right. to either Absolutely. positive or negative outcomes. Yeah. And I so like to look at it like a, like a timeline. That's how I look at it. And on one end, you got death, disease, destruction. On the other, you got health, happiness, and healing, right? Yeah. You're either moving, you're nudging yourself either a little bit toward one or a little bit toward the other every single day with what you do. Yeah. And the small changes add up. <laughs> and so- you know, for me, it was the plant-based diet's huge. I still eat a plant-based diet. I'm not all raw yeah. anymore, um, but the the raw diet is an important phase in the healing journey for yeah. sure. And um, but I eat, I still eat a ton of raw food, fruits and vegetables, of course. Yep. And um, you know, I I'm the healthiest and strongest and fittest I've ever been in my life. I'm 40. How old am I? 46. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I feel as good as I did in my 20s. You know. Um, in fact, better in, awesome. in a lot of ways than I did in my twenties and, uh, and people routinely, you know, are surprised because they don't think I'm in my forties. They think I'm younger. Yeah. And, um, and it's the food. Yeah, exactly. And the I, lifestyle and the movement, you know, I, I love the, the word movement because you're either like that stagnant pond that has all kinds of algae growing on it because it's never moving or you're the river that's constantly just getting reoxygenated and you know, refreshed. And I want to yeah. be like that river that's always, I don't have to go to the gym and work out for three hours, but <clears throat> I need to spend some time walking and moving and just getting the blood 
circulating. And that's really important if we just start there. Movement is life. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Movement is life. And you, but you have to be deliberate. Like mm -hmm. what we tell our community is like, you have to put it in your calendar. Right. You have to block off your movement time, your exercise time, mm -hmm. and it, it needs to be non-negotiable. It doesn't yes. matter what time of day you do it, right? right. right. I mean, don't do it right before <laughs> bed. That's kind of, it's typically not good for sleep. Yeah. But generally, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever, like you just need to find that time, whether it's brisk walking or it's taking a, some kind of exercise class or going to the gym, like right. riding your bike, whatever it is, like you have to make it a priority because exercise is so underrated. People just think exercise is for weight loss, right? right. Or to look good on the beach. Mm -hmm. Like that's like the sort of the two, like, why would I exercise to look good on the beach or to lose some weight? Uh -huh. But the reality is, is like exercise turns off cancer promoting genes in your body. Yes. It turns on genes that are anti-cancer genes. It improves your cardiovascular system, reduces your risk of heart disease. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it boosts your mood. You get feel good molecules mm -hmm. from exercise increases in dopamine and serotonin. Yeah. I mean, there's so many incredible benefits besides the, the outward, you know, beach body kind of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, there are a number of studies that have proven unequivocally that exercise improves cancer survival, Absolutely. period. If yeah. you are diagnosed with cancer and you exercise, it will increase your odds of survival. In fact, one of my favorite studies was done on breast cancer patients. And what they found was that breast cancer patients who ate a minimum of five servings of fruits and vegetables per day, which is not very many, yeah, and walked an average of 30 minutes a day, had a 50% reduced risk of death wow. in nine years. Wow. 50%. In a nine-year period. Yeah, it, it cut their risk of death in half, in half. <laughs> right? In half. Uh, or it was either death or recurrence. And I, I don't want to misquote the study, but either way, right? Yeah. The cancer coming back or dying. Mm -hmm. And just from two simple lifestyle changes, right? Deliberate, yeah. Being more deliberate yeah. about eating fruits and vegetables and making being deliberate about exercising daily, 30 right. minutes a day of brisk walking. There's no drug that, that has that level of efficacy that they can say, this will reduce your risk of recurrence by 50%. I mean, exactly. it's pretty rare. <clears throat> so, you know, if that doesn't make you want to exercise, <laughs> <laughs> right? read my book because there's a lot more in there that will convince you. <laughs> 30 minute walk is about a mile and a half for our listeners. It doesn't, That's right. much. it's a pretty easy thing to do. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that hit me as a, maybe a tip for our listeners as well. One of my coworkers had a physical therapy batch of appointments she had to go to. So her calendar was marked off for physical therapy. And it hit me. I thought, my movement, my exercise from now on is my physical therapy. And I'm just putting it in my calendar and I'm going to respect it like I would if I was going to meet a PT therapist every, you know, every day. That's my PT. So that's if someone yes. listening needs it. to do that, consider it your physical therapy appointment and you cannot miss it. So there's right. Yeah, call it movement, call it physical therapy. But yeah, I, I go every day around 4 or 5 p.m. That's my routine. Yeah. And uh, and I look forward to it. I have I go to a gym that I've gone to for years and have a lot of buddies there. And it was, it's a social time too. So nice. it's I get fellowship and the social aspect of it. It's like a CrossFit kind of nice. gym. 
And mm-hmm. so I get that plus the exercise benefit, right? So it's yeah. that's the other thing about doing classes. It's like you get that community and relationships and those things are so important in health yes. and, and healing and survival. And we and look when at, you start hanging out with people who are taking care of themselves, it's also contagious. You yeah. start wanting to do that also. Yeah, they rub off on you for sure and inspire you to take care, better care of yourself and and to show up and do better and um, all those good things. And of course, we saw the, the going back to the pandemic again, we saw the response, you know, uh, the government's response, which was the worst advice possible, right? Everybody stay yeah, home. Advice, yeah. Don't talk to your friends and family. Lock yourself in your room or your house or your apartment. Mm-hmm. And you want to accelerate the level of depression and despair in a population. That's how you do it. Yeah. Right. And disease, right? Because disease always follows those emotional states. Yeah. They've done, they've done studies on loneliness and how loneliness shortens your lifespan. Cancer patients who are lonely and depressed have much worse survival. Yeah. Uh, And, um, and so it's just horrible advice all around of how to, how to, if the government really cared about, the health of people, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't lock them down. You wouldn't <clears throat> force them to take experimental drugs, right? You wouldn't constantly promote fear because yeah. fear suppresses your immune system. Yeah. yeah. Right? And there's you all would... kinds of nutritional things that were helping people's healing and they weren't promoting those either. So, so many things. And yeah. exercise being one of them too. Yeah. Uh, movement yeah. being one. Of... So good for your immune system. It strengthens your immune system. Absolutely. Sunshine strengthens your immune system. Vitamin D. Mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables like there's so many ways to strengthen your immunity and again this was the messaging i was putting out there during the pandemic to my audience it's like look don't be afraid there's we we know what foods and supplements and and nutritional compounds and habits and uh, mental and emotional states either strengthen or weaken your immune system and right. so let me just remind you what they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. now is the time you can do this. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're if you're concerned, then take action, right? Use and and again, in not just in that time, but in cancer as well. Fear can do one of two things for you. It can paralyze you, mm-hmm. right, into a state of inactivity, right? And and depression and despair and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Or it can be the fuel that motivates you into action, right? Yeah. Massive action, and right. Massive action. And so what we encourage cancer patients to do is like use that fear as your fuel, right? right. Yeah. To radically change your life and to take care of yourself like you never have before. Like use that fear. Like that's energy. Energy to learn, energy to motivate yourself to find out what's going on in your body and what things, yes, absolutely, use that energy. Yeah. That's fantastic. So some people did. It's definitely gratifying to get those messages from people who are like, I was, we listened to you. Thank you so much during that time. Like, you know, uh, anyway, so the big message really is we have so much control over Mm -hmm. our life and our future. We're not Mm pre-programmed. We have personal responsibility and we have freedom of choice and free will mm-hmm. and you need to understand that everything in life happens for a reason and most of the time the reason is you right exactly you it's your choices right your choices led you to where you are today right your food choices your relationship choices your 
professional choices, like occupation choices, your free time choices, mm -hmm. right? Your good and bad habits, right? They all led you to precisely where you are right now today in this moment. And whether you're in a good state or a not so good state, you can't blame anybody else, exactly. right? Yep. You have to just look in the mirror and say, you know what? This is what I did. Maybe this is my fault. Yeah, own it. Right? Right. Maybe this is my fault. I was open to being the the cause of my own problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that's a very empowering way. And this is not, and I'm not saying this to in to um put shame on somebody or or for, for you to feel bad about your choices. This is to empower you because it empowered me when I realized that I had been contributing to my disease, right. to my illness, mm -hmm. that realization, there's two sides to that coin. And the flip side is, oh, well, if that's true, then I also can contribute to my wellness. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so now that I realize I have power, I got to figure out what to do. Right. Yeah. What do I do? What can I do to help myself? And so that's the belief that you can get well and then taking responsibility for your life and health and deciding there's nothing off limits, being willing to change everything in your life mm -hmm. to help yourself. All those sort of encapsulate what I call the beat cancer mindset. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, at the time, as I was having all these epiphanies and I was just really focused on survival, I wasn't thinking about the things that I'm talking about now. But after over all these years of interviewing so many patients and survivors and doctors, I realized, yeah, we all have the same thing in common. We all have those beliefs in common, those core beliefs that we can that you can get well, that healing's possible, that you got to change your life, take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then the practical application of those beliefs, which is raw foods, juicing, exercise, forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness is so huge, right? Absolutely. The relationship and the emotional stress that comes from Broken relationships is huge stressor on our bodies. Huge. We've all been hurt by people. We've been abused, neglected, abandoned, betrayed. You know, we've all we've all been hurt. Yeah. You know, and the what I think a lot of folks don't realize is when we're carrying that pain, when we're holding on to the anger and the bitterness and the resentment toward people that have hurt us, it's actually hurting us more. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it puts you, it keeps you in a state of chronic stress. Yeah. It's low level stress. And when people are in low level stress or high stress, either way, but when they're in a state of stress, they're not at peace. Okay. So distress would be the opposite of at being at peace. <laughs> but and when you in when you're in some level of distress, you're going to seek medication. Yeah. You're going to find a way to alleviate the stress. Yeah. And how do we do that? Well. Uh, the obvious answers are always, well, drugs and alcohol. Sure. Cigarettes. Sugar. Yeah. Sugar, mm -hmm. food, donuts. Food. That's a <laughs> yep. big one. People don't like to to admit that food is a drug. Food is medication. Yeah. Um, obviously, like sex addiction, pornography, gambling, spending money that you don't have, um, being a workaholic being consumed, overly consumed with social media or just binge watching or video gaming. All of these things are ways that people use to distract themselves from their problems. Yeah. Right. 
and they all do work. Like there, there's lots of ways to numb yourself or distract yourself or keep your mind busy so you don't think about the pain, right? Yes, except so, you, so many of those things put you in a downward spiral because they give you more reasons to be right. frustrated, depressed, sad, whatever. Sugar in particular drives depression. So it's like you go to sugar because you're sad and then you're even more sad after you eat. So same with social media, how much science is showing that it's just driving people's depression deeper. So the choices that we're making to get out of our stuff, our yuck, are making it worse. Yeah. So many people are self-medicating and that and, and those habits, those self-medicating habits lead them further down the path of disease. Right. And so, but the big epiphany is like, once you realize, oh, okay, that's why I'm doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Is because I have not dealt with the root causes of my pain. Mm -hmm. And when you deal with the root causes of your pain, then you don't need the medication, right? Yeah. And so forgiveness is one of the most powerful ways to heal your heart. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness heals your heart. When you say, God, you know what they did to me, but I'm choosing to forgive them. I'm letting it go and they're all yours. Right. right? And you know what? Just for our listeners, forgiveness does not mean you condone the behavior. Forgiveness right. means you're letting it go and you're going to let God deal with them. And trust me, God's wrath is much worse than yours. So let it go so you can be at peace and let, let the wrath ha be had by God. Yeah. God is just, right? Yeah. He is a God of perfect justice. People do get what they deserve. Yeah. Eventually. And by the way, we all need mercy, right? Mm -hmm. We all deserve justice and wrath. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you didn't do something as bad as what someone else did to you, but you're guilty of lots of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We're all guilty. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and so we need forgiveness just as much as the next person. And so what I found was, and I, and I made a decision, I'm going to forgive every person who's ever hurt me. Every person who's ever hurt me until there's no one left and that you can't do it all in one sitting, Yeah, right? It just takes time. But if you're as deliberate about forgiveness as you are about eating healthy and exercising, you just will, you can work through it, right? Yeah. You just search your memory. You sit down and you think about, it. you can journal or you can just think through it, or you can do it in a prayerful or meditative state or whatever, but you just mm -hmm. decide, yeah. okay, who's hurt me? Who do I need to forgive? Right. And then you just open up the old filing cabinet in your memory, right? With the painful ones, <laughs> yes, right? The painful memories drawer. Yeah. And then just one by one, you just go through them. Like you revisit the, you know, you re revisit the pain for mm -hmm. a moment. And then you just say, God, I'm just giving this to you. I'm yeah. forgiving this person. They're all yours, right? Yeah. I'm asking you to bless them. I don't want you to, but I'm asking you to, because I know that's what I need to do. <laughs> And you would not believe the weight that is lifted off of you when you just go through this simple process of choosing to forgive. And then if those emotions start to creep in later, you just have to put your foot down and say, no, I forgave them. I'm not going to let the bitterness and the envy and resentment and anger like creep back into my heart. You yeah. know, it's like, this is done. Right? Yep. I've, I've made the decision and I'm sticking with it. Right. Yep. Yep. I like to say forgiveness is like a healthy diet. It only works if you stick with it. So that is, in my opinion, one of the, if not the most powerful thing you can do for your health, because I've seen people do all the, all the healthy stuff, but not deal with their emotional pain, with their unresolved emotional conflict, with their bitterness and resentment and anger, 
Yeah. And that's I, its I, own version I, of cancer right there. That bitterness is its own version of cancer that, like you said, creeps back in. It'll, it will keep you sick. Stress, which is the umbrella term for all those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Stress will, will lead you down the path of disease. It will make you sick and it will keep you sick. If mm -hmm. you don't get real honest about what's causing you stress mm -hmm. and, and then take action right? Make a plan and take action to remove those stresses from your life. And so forgiveness is a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I could sit, I think, and talk to you for two more hours, but I want to be sensitive to your time and our <laughs> listeners as well. It's been really fun. I know. It's been great. I, uh, I do have one, maybe one or two final questions I want to ask. Yeah. What is bringing you the biggest joy right now, given where you're at, kind of 13 years past when you launched your blogs and all the things you've done, what kinds of things are bringing you the biggest joys? That's, you know, no one's ever asked me that question before. And I'm trying to think about how to answer it. You know, I, I, I get joy from, from really simple things, actually. It's not big things for me. It's just the, the older I get and the farther I get away from my cancer diagnosis, the more gratitude I have. Mm -hmm. for just just the sweetness of life yeah yeah and to have a, a wife who loves me to have two beautiful uh children who are healthy and and generally happy grumpy sometimes you know how teenagers are <laughs> but generally happy to you know just to have all of our needs met to not be in li living in a part of the world that's getting bombed right you know yeah. what i mean to yeah. be in living in a safe secure place and to have food and gosh, it's just like cancer taught me how to be happy in the most difficult season of my life, how to have joy when I had lots of reasons to be angry and resentful and bitter and unhappy. I learned how to be content in, in that circumstance and how to count my blessings, mm -hmm. right? I learned how to, you know, I could, I could sit and feel sorry for myself because I had cancer, or I could just stop in that moment and say, you know what? Cancer's bad. It's it's not a good thing in my life, but let me just take stock of the good things that I do have, right? I got some bad things, but what are my good things? Right. What's good in my life? And you know, just what I just did what I did just now, naming those good things, recognizing, acknowledging the good things in my life, like that's what brings me consistent joy, you know? There's certainly things I get excited about, like taking trips and, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, and stuff like that, getting together with my friends or special yeah. events. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's just the little, little things that so many of us take for granted yep. that I can just take a moment and, and count my blessings. And, and that's my big source of joy. Love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I want to make sure that people know where to find you. We've referred to it and you've got your awesome book sitting there behind you. I am going to, I'm going to hold this book up again, this God's Way book. I will put that in the notes also for people to find that. It's a fantastic book. That's the guide that you found, Chris, when you yeah. started your journey. But also the Crispy Cancer book is an amazing book and it's also available in audio version, which is the one I loved because I get to hear actually Chris reading it, which is also cool. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's me. So tell people again where they can find you and what kinds of things you have to offer for their journey. 
Sure. Uh, ChrisBeatCancer.com is my website. There's hundreds of articles and interviews there. You can just type in the search bar, you know, breast cancer or vitamin C or mistletoe. Like there's a lot there for you to learn, but it's not overwhelming. Like mm -hmm. just search for what you need to learn about. But I've interviewed all, all types of uh, survivors of all types of cancer. So again, if you type in leukemia or lymphoma or breast cancer, you'll find these wonderful, encouraging survivor interviews. Uh, I have three books. Chris Beat Cancer is the main book, telling my story, expose on the cancer industry, exactly what I did, what I ate every day, um, all the steps I took to get well. We, we wrote two books during the pandemic. One is called Beat Cancer Daily, which is a daily devotional wow. just to keep you on the healthy path. So it's like a companion to my first book. And then Beat Cancer Kitchen is a full color cookbook, all plant-based, optimized, like anti-cancer recipes with the most potent anti-cancer foods. And it's, they're all delicious. I mean, we just, we knocked it out of the park with that nice. cookbook. It's awesome. Nice. My wife and I did that together. So so those are the three books. And then we do have a, a coaching program for people that are really serious and you want to be a part of a community and you're trying to heal and you want direction and guidance. It, uh, that's called Square One. Mm -hmm. And you can find that on chrisbeatcancer.com under coaching. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much pretty much what I do. Of course, I'm on social media, Chris Beat Cancer on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and uh, and the podcast is on Spotify. So if you like to listen to interviews rather than watch them, we put the audio on Spotify. So, you know, we just do a lot of stuff. We're just trying to reach people and encourage them and give them hope and, and help them understand that cancer does not have to be a death sentence. The cancer can be prevented mm -hmm. and healed. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, and that you have options, right. you know, that, yeah. that you don't have to be rushed into treatment. Don't, don't let yourself be victimized by the cancer industry and the medical industry. They're not all bad, but you know, it's the, the really good practitioners are hard to find <laughs> yeah. and they're probably not going to be the first one you meet. Right. right? And so, so if you, if you equip yourself with knowledge, you can navigate the cancer journey with so much confidence and hope and faith and joy and, and feeling good. And Again, going back to the first things we talked about, like there are so many steps you can take to increase your odds of survival mm -hmm. or decrease your risk of ever getting cancer. They're the same steps, right? right. If right. you're just willing to reconfigure your daily routine a little bit, yes. not a whole lot, just a, some small changes produce big results over time. That's what I'm here to do is to help yeah. people do that. And it's worth it. I want to restate that for our listeners. Yeah, you know what? You may have to have a little fewer days of pizza, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. The life and the vitality and the longevity that you have from those changes. Yeah, you're not going to miss what you're leaving. And instead, there's a whole world of beauty waiting for you when you step through into that massive change that Chris talks about so often. Well, Chris, you'd mentioned early in our conversation that one person can change the course of your life. And I think you are doing that for so many people. You are taking what may be what was intended for evil and you are turning it for good. And I love that. And I love mm. that you came and Thank shared you. your story. I definitely going to have to have you on again because there's about, you know, 10 more questions I didn't get to, <laughs> but it was, a I just did all the talking, no questions. <laughs> you didn't ask me any questions hardly. Well, thought, George did that. George Malcolmus did that for me. And, and now obviously the torch has passed and I'm trying to pay it forward and, and be that light in the dark Beautiful. for people um, who are 
again, facing a, a really scary diagnosis and looking for, for hope and practical advice and action steps. So yeah, it absolutely is my, my mission and my purpose. And I just appreciate you so much for taking the time to interview me and have me on your show and introduce me to your audience. And it really means a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Thank you, Lisa. Have a good one. Oh, so many good takeaways from that conversation. I'm going to summarize them for you here. One, everybody thinks they're healthy until you really develop some kind of serious chronic disease. Two, you cannot make a wise decision if you don't have all the information. You have to acquire knowledge until you have enough knowledge that you can make a wise decision. Number three, plant foods heal cancer. Animal foods and junk foods promote cancer. Four, exercise increases your odds of survival and reduces your risk of cancer. It's a simple, known, well-researched, and well-documented scientific fact. Number five, 90% of cancer is caused by diet, lifestyle, and environment, not your genes, even if you have that gene. Number six, your choices regarding food, relationships, your profession, how you spend your free time, your good and your bad habits, all of your choices have led you to precisely where you are right now in this moment. So if you have contributed to your dis-ease, then you also can contribute to your wellness. That's good news. Number seven, the right choice is hardly ever the easy choice. Chris got to where he is now by taking a different path, the road less traveled. So if you are choosing or considering to choose the road less traveled, prepare for some pushback, even from those around you. And that's okay. Number eight, faith is easy when life is good, but when things get difficult, that's when our faith will be really tested. Number nine, the most important thing for every single cancer patient or sick person to know is that you have to believe healing's possible. And number 10, remember, it just takes one person's story to completely change the course of your life. Hear the story or be the story for someone else. Your encouragement to others really matters. Thanks for listening in on the show today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, your family, or anyone else who will listen. <laughs> and take a quick moment to write a review. As a newly launched podcast, those reviews really help me. And stay tuned. I'm launching a digital course in January called Fast, Pray, Heal. We're going to learn about fasting. We're going to leverage this amazing tool that's been around for thousands of years that can really break strongholds in our health journey. So stay tuned or look to my website for more information about that. Go to lisaroars.com for all the details and to reserve your spot for the January class, which is already filling up soon. So lisaroars.com for all the details. Thanks again for joining. So appreciate all of you. Have a great day.